just showing blitz. They back off. Murray back to pass. Flag down. Pass over the middle. Caught at the 20 and a broken tackle. Hop is loose at the 10, at the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. This will likely stand. It looked like the Chargers were offside. Again, Murray getting rid of it quickly, being decisive, and letting his playmaker do the rest. The 34-yard catch and run for a score by Hop. That is the voice of Dave Pash, voice of the Arizona Cardinals. He'll join us later on in the show at 9.15 to talk some Cardinals uh, football. Uh, but was that the call of DeAndre Hopkins' final touchdown as an Arizona mm. Cardinal? November 27th and a one-point loss to the Chargers. Uh, that was uh, that was Hopkins getting into the end zone. There's all kinds of speculation about the future. It's picking up a lot of steam nationally. Yesterday, Bick, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins and the forever grateful uh, Instagram posts. What does that mean? We're, we're in that business now of trying to decipher uh, these vague and, yeah. and, and uh, Instagram and, and Twitter posts, but... Look, I, I I think it's, um, and I said this yesterday and I believe this, I think it's almost fait accompli. I, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins at this point of his career, a guy who has been an all-pro wide receiver, mm-hmm. one of the most productive receivers, team success has eluded him. The first number in his age is a three. The clock is ticking on DeAndre Hopkins, and if yeah. he sticks around, look, is a quick turnaround possible if all the right pieces fall into place for the Cardinals? Yes. Would you count on it? No. And I think a lot of people are viewing this as a total rebuild, an almost well, total rebuild, and DeAndre Hopkins might be one of them. Listen, and, and I think what you can do is you can put the pieces together of of players and what they're doing with their lives moving forward and, and compare it to what they have in front of them in Arizona. And you can come to that conclusion that the immediate future does not look bright to the best players on this football team. Um, at the end of Hard Knocks last night, it showed J.J. Watt giving a big hug to DeAndre Hopkins. Would J.J. Watt be retiring if the Cardinals were still in a championship window? I don't know. Maybe. Would DeAndre Hopkins be looking to get out of here if he felt better about this team and its chances? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe it's more of a quarterback thing with D-Hop. Who knows what it is with him. But I do think I, one of the takeaways when I saw the Instagram post, not just what he posted, but the reaction from football players, teammates, guys currently on the Arizona Cardinals, nobody is given him any grief for wanting allegedly implicitly to get out and which would give you a sign that people recognize yeah it's going to be it's going to be a long road here yeah and there's an understanding that okay we got you we we get what's going on here and hard knocks. you are too good for this situation yeah uh, and and there's a you know a, a, an acknowledgement hey you want to win everybody wants to win a super bowl at least one in their career uh, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been close to this point in his career. There's an acknowledgement. The great ones have to move on to try to get what they want. Um, DeAndre Hopkins at the end of the season finale of Hard Knocks last night uh, around his pool table was talking about how the season went mm-hmm. and didn't pra- paint a pretty picture. It's my 10th year. I didn't start off how we wanted it to, how I wanted to. Obviously being suspended. From you know, from the jump, I was out to see his games, and I feel like you know they kind of put us behind right there. And you know, me as who I am, I, I have to take accountability for that. So I feel like you know I gave my team a disadvantage from the jump. You know, for us, we don't like making excuses. It is what it is. But man, it was a season. It was a very season. Uh, you know, to win how many games we've won so far? Uh, four games. I don't think that's. That's anyone's standard. There's been a lot of chatter about, you know, changes in organization, 
you know, I just keep my head down, try to work hard, do my job. But, you know, man, the season has been, it's been, it's been f***ed up. <laughs> and I'll say it. It's a good way of putting it. DeAndre Hopkins' suspension was one of the terrible things that, that affected this franchise. That was, that was the death blow. Even though it was the first six games of the season mm-hmm. and the Cardinals had advanced notice and they even took precautions against it by trading for Hollywood Brown, they were never overcoming that. Well, yeah, they certainly didn't. They didn't, yeah. and, and I don't think they ever were able to or were ever really built to you know, in hindsight. Right. Um, I, a couple things about this. So, so if DeAndre Hopkins wants out, there seems to be an acknowledgement from everybody that, okay, that's cool. We get it. This is this is not this, we're not in a position to win now, and you're too good for this. And and okay, we get it. This we signed up for this, you know. When you when you left Houston, we so we get all this. So I, I look at that, and I think that's interesting. But I also am very perplexed by the idea that why a guy with a no trade clause can can orchestrate where he wants to go when he is the one asking for the trade. So a guy, well, generally you get a no trade clause because you don't want to be shipped out of the city that you chose to sign in. Yes. Okay? And that's what a no trade clause is for. It's not for when you later say, hey, I've got a no trade clause, but I'm the one that wants a trade. I don't know why that player now gets to dictate where he gets to go. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It, that does not seem to be to be the spirit of a no trade clause because where DeAndre Hopkins wants to go would seem to me to limit the Cardinals' leverage in this whole thing because if if the Cardinals could trade DeAndre Hopkins anywhere, who he is and the impact of wide receivers to championship teams, I would think you could get a lot back for him. Much more than what I heard Burns and Gamble speculate as a second-round pick. Could you imagine getting a second-round pick when the former general manager gave up a first for Hollywood Brown? The Steelers got a first-round pick from the Bears for Chase Claypool, yes, for goodness sake. Yes, So the idea of the Cardinals having to settle, I'm not cool with that. I don't understand why a no-trade clause which is meant as a protection for a player, and I get it. But if you are the guy who wants the trade, I don't think you should have that accompanying right to dictate where you want to go. That's But that's the way it works. Ugh. Kind of. But it also is a sign, when, when DeAndre Hopkins negotiated that deal himself mm-hmm. and was able to finagle the, not, the no-trade clause, and now reportedly, and I believe he will ask for a trade to the, to the location of his choice, that just goes to show you how much has changed since this team was 10 and 2. In the last 13 months, this organization is absolutely unrecognizable to mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. And it, even to the guys inside the organization that have been here through the whole ride. Mm. Very strange. It, it, it's very, very strange. And so so you wonder about all of that and, and what it means in the grand scheme of things. Listen, DeAndre Hopkins was a lot of fun to watch. DeAndre Hopkins... It, uh, as a novice serving as your own agent, he sure won his deal with the Cardinals, I'll tell you that much. Better yeah. negotiation by eye. Yeah. Well done, Jared. That's well done. And he's better at negotiating than by his own admission. Not good at art. As we learned last night. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that looks he, pretty good. I know he said. He said uh, yeah. He's into pottery. Right? I could see you into pottery, Jarrett, making plates to eat off. Oh, I can't wait. 
ladle mashed the potatoes. The anticipation would be too much, yeah. Jarrett making pottery with the ghost of Patrick Swayze. Yes. <laughs> Seductively, erotically. Uh-huh. As the Righteous Brothers play in the background. Uh-huh. Uh, coming up next, the Arizona Cardinals, one of three teams granted uh, permission, and we'll talk to Sean Payton about their head coaching opening. We'll get into all the latest possibilities on that next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. His hand was nine and a half. That was significant. You know, if it was in the eights, that would have been a little concerning. Nine kind of is a threshold for us. And put this height. I think this would five ten change. And uh, his film is too good. Yeah, you know, ultimate, ultimately, his film. When I say it's too good, and uh, I like him. That is Sean Payton during the 2019 NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, mm. where we uh, did the show from that week because of all the speculation about Kyler Murray. Sean Payton at that time was the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. He joined the panel, I believe that was on NFL Network. Um, but, it, you know, we people are revisiting all these possibilities now. Would the marriage between Kyler Murray and Sean Payton work? And I can't get past this point, and I'll say it again. I am absolutely intrigued to see what Kyler Murray looks like under the influence of a different play caller, a different head coach, and a different designer of an offense, whether it's Sean Payton or somebody else. now, And a more demanding uh, figure in his life. Yes. Because I don't know if you saw this. Um, Mike Silver, oh, yeah. uh, writing for BallySports.com, uh, their national website, uh, had a, a little bit of a snippet on the Cardinals. And it's entitled Desert Disaster. The Arizona Cardinals, this is Silver's words, the Arizona Cardinals were a hot mess last offseason. And one of the uh, owner, Michael Bidwell's, moves amid the maelstrom was to give the long contract extensions to Cliff Kingsbury and general manager Steve Keim. Now both men are gone. The former fired Monday, the latter having stepped away for health reasons, leaving Bidwell to hire a new coach and GM who will inherit a dubious situation. After quarterback Kyler Murray fought for and received a massive contract extension of his own last July, lie, quote, it was like they created a monster, according to one Cardinals veteran I spoke to last Sunday. Once paid, the veteran said, Murray felt less compulsion to study his game plan or to fulfill the expectations of the franchise quarterback position than he had in the past, and the Cardinals' collapse felt predictable. Somebody keep Mike Silver away from Sean Payton, please. (laughs) Keep this report away from Sean Payton, if you don't mind. Okay, this is very, very unnerving, and it's one guy, and it's an unnamed Cardinals veteran, but but this right here is a worst-case scenario, and that would be um, a, a guy getting paid and being further empowered and further entitled rather than being further motivated and further ingratiated to the organization. I, I, I don't know what to make of that, Vinny, um, other than to say I would like to hear more voices um, off the record or not on this subject. Whether or not Kyler Murray was really less into the job of being a quarterback.
quarterback now that he was gotten paid because that would fly in the face of everything Kyler Murray verbally says. Mm -hmm. And Kyler Murray has countered a lot of the perceptions out there about him. Patrick Peterson put out a perception about Kyler Murray. Dude is selfish. Kyler Murray said, I ain't that at all, man. What are you talking about? Kyler Murray is very different. He's he's obviously hard to get to know. He's very, very guarded. He's been very sheltered. Um, his communication skills and his relations, relational skills are obviously very awkward. Um, and, and that has been the case from day one. It's been the case since the Dan Patrick interview, um, which was about one of the most awkward things you'd ever here yes um so this is uh i don't know what to make of this other than to say that this in and of itself it, it must be the motivating factor for michael bidwill that i have got this investment in this quarterback who needs to be reined in now, i don't know to what degree this is real um it's it, you know it's it's being reported as the opinions of one cardinals veteran mm-hmm, player mm-hmm but it's not unfair to think if one guy thinks like that, that others think, Kelvin think similarly. Be- Kelvin Beecham, who is a upstanding, honest, great dude, he's very honest about Kyler Murray. And he said flat out, you know, Kyler's gotten better. He, he doesn't go over the board and say Kyler's great. He doesn't say Kyler is all this or Kyler's misunderstood. Kelvin Beecham said, I'll say this about Kyler. He's gotten better. This is just the opposite. This is somebody off the record saying Kyler has gotten worse. Which, yeah, again, concerning, but also probably factored in the decision. Michael Bidwell talked about how difficult the decision it was uh, to, to, to pull the plug on the Cliff Kingsbury era. You have to get a different voice. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that you are, for, for lack of a better term, stuck with. I'm wondering, though, what is how long is the leash? We know what the contract extension is. We know it, it kicks in, what, this year, correct? 2023? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's massive money. It's massive franchise quarterback money. But you also have to fail fast in the mm-hmm. NFL. And there's a lot of doubt in the Cardinals and Michael Bidwell getting a lot of criticism for granting that extension when he did. The regression of Kyler Murray is a big reason why we're having these discussions right now. Mm-hmm. How long is that leash? How much room, how much time does Kyler Murray have to turn it around before Michael Bidwell has to make another painful, difficult well, financial decision? But, but And again, this is one of those things that, okay, you, you had three years of this kid in your building before you chose to pay him. So how true can this stuff be? Um, uh, clearly, I, again, I, I, I'm not doubting this. Because I do think that there's clearly issues with with how Kyler Murray is developed. I, I don't think anybody can argue that. But regressing to the point of, oh, I got paid. Now I don't have to do anything. Now I don't have to work. They, did he ever really study game plans to begin with? Part of the reason here that, that, I, that I get so um, angry with the scapegoating of Kyler Murray is that Kyler Murray is a kid. And he came to the Cardinals, and it was on them to grow him. And they have helped create this monster. And I've had people tell me uh, all sorts of things. I've heard that Kyler Murray, um, the next to- the next play that he changes at the line of scrimmage is going to be his first. I- I've heard I've heard extreme criticism of his inability to even begin to read defenses. And I say to myself, that's not good kind of need to do that in the NFL. Uh But then I also say to myself, where are the adults? Where are the people who who need to put up the guardrails for this kid? And and I'm not talking about independent study clauses. I'm talking about a coach that can command his attention 
Yeah. It's it's And Sean Payton appears to be that guy. Well, and let's hope because and, the, the the other thing is that Sean Payton is playing a great leverage game. Oh yeah. Which which tells you how smart he is cuz he is playing a great leverage game. He's created this 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 market for himself now that is just spinning and spinning and spinning. The interesting part about it is that as of right now, there's half the number of coaching openings this year as were available last year. There's five first-year head coaches in the playoffs this weekend. There's five openings right now. Five is a very low number. I'm still curious to see if there's any fallout for certain teams. And there was a Sean Payton-related item on, on that front, too. Um, speculation is if Dallas goes to Tampa Bay and loses as a 12-win team, that Jerry Jones might pull the plug on, on Mike McCarthy. And could that be a possible landing spot for Sean Payton? Todd Archer covers the Cowboys and says, that ain't happening. I guess tell me how they lost. If it's as disheartening and disappointing and as bad as it was last year, Maybe there's a chance, but I, I still think Jerry's going to look at 12 and five back to back years and and just stick with Mike McCarthy. But fellas, it's not going to be Sean Payton. <laughs> if anybody, it'll be Dan Quinn. So you can put the Sean Payton stuff to rest in my mind. And Dan Quinn's a guy who's showing up on a couple of candidate lists for other teams. He's mm-hmm. he's on the uh, the list to be interviewed for the, for the Denver Broncos. So this is about to get really interesting. Yeah, it's, it is it's January 12th. Those uh, interviews with Sean Payton, which might be the first domino to fall. In all of this might not be, but those can happen starting on January 17th. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell takes us through the big stories of the day with a Rush Hour reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everybody. A very happy Thursday to all of you. From Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Rush Hour Reboot. We get you caught up on all of the big stories of the day. Of course, uh, with the Arizona Cardinals being one of the biggest stories right now. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! The humbled Dan Bickley. <laughs> oh, you can say that again. Oh, man, you were feeling yourself at this time yesterday. Not today. Chin Not up, today. Chin up. Not today, yes. Hey, that's Vince Murata. Nothing as into what I came up with today. <laughs> I dig it. So is I that Depeche Mode? Yeah, I just yes, relied on one of my favorite songs. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah. And Jarrett Carlin. Vince, you work with two equally brilliant minds. Hi, <laughs> Dan and Sarah. What? <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh, man. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot. Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals, who have permission, folks, to interview Sean Payton, the Super Bowl winning coach with the New Orleans Saints. He stepped away from coaching after... After the 2021 season, uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported yesterday that the Cardinals got permission. Now, someone, I don't, I don't know who, but credit to whoever recently uncovered this conversation from the 2019 NFL Combine when Kyler Murray was preparing to be the number one overall pick. Sean Payton talked about Kyler and what he likes about him. His hand was nine and a half. That was significant. You know, if it was in the eights, that would have been a little concerning. Nine kind of is a threshold for us. And put this height... I think it's what 510 change, and uh, his film is too good. You know, know, ultimately, his film, when I say it's too good, and uh, I like him. 
It's too good. The film is too good, and I like him. So we've established he likes Kyler Murray, and he also said he's not too concerned about his height. I think having seen four games now, just an early exposure in the winter meetings, um, you don't feel uh, that being a deficiency when you watch his play. Um, Man, he's explosive. He's one of those players that, you know, is, is Madden used to say he was never it. You can't. It's it's so hard to rush him because he can flush to the right, make a play to the left. Uh, you do feel poise uh, that he plays with. All right. So the Cardinals, like I said, have received permission from the Saints to talk to him. We know he's got his personal connections to the Cardinals, as he was telling Colin Cowherd in the last month or so, former ball boy way back in the day. Uh, But we do know that he is in very high demand. The Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans reportedly also have received permission to talk to him. So I got to know, guys, I know that Sean Payton is the dream pick. But if he decides to go somewhere else or to not coach at all, who is second on your wish list? Do you even have a number two on your wish list at this point? I I wouldn't mind a Jim Arbaugh. I'd put him second. He's high on my list as well. Another former quarterback with a lot of success in the NFL. I'll give you another name, though. Please. Shane Steichen. Tell me about Offensive this Offensive coordinator. Shane, exactly. Shane Steichen? Steichen? Younger guy, 37, offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. And okay. uh, with the work and the development, with what we've seen with Jalen Hurts, I don't know if he's ready to become a head coach. I don't necessarily want the Cardinals to go down that road of giving a guy another first opportunity. Right. But if it comes to that, there would be some intrigue there with the way he's worked with Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position. Does the next coach have to be an offensive coach? No. I don't think so. But if Kyler Murray is the linchpin to your success... And, you know, if you're considering what what is going to best suit him moving Mm -hmm. forward, it probably should be an offensive coach. You better have have a component in the next regime or the next hire that addresses the Kyler Murray um, saga. Well, that that was just the whole conversation from the 715 segment is his development or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And so how can you take a chance again with this next guy and waste even more time of of Kyler Murray's career? Mm -hmm. All right. Elsewhere in the NFL, the league laid out its new slate of events for the Pro Bowl games. Did you guys see this yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Ooh, you don't sound terribly excited. Uh, It's the first year of this new format that they announced a few months ago. It's going to be a flag football game instead of the usual basically flag football game. And then eight events in the lead up to that game. Here are those eight events. There will be dodgeball. Mm -hmm. There will be a golf ball driving contest. Longest drive contest. Sign me up for that. I figured you would say that. There's going to be a side-by-side relay race through an obstacle course. There's going to be, it's not tic-tac-toe, it's kick-tac-toe. Each team's kicker, punter, and long snapper will compete in a major, massive game of tic-tac-toe. That's cool. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. There's a best catch contest who can create the most impressive catch, uh, a precision passing contest. There will be an accuracy competition for quarterbacks, a lightning round competition, which will be a whole variety of skills tests like uh, fielding punts and catching water balloons, and then a move the chains competition. There will be two teams of five players each pulling a weighted wall using 
first down chains as quickly as they can. So certainly creative. And the NFL is not always creative, so I'm giving them credit for it. Does this make you more or less likely to watch the Pro Bowl events? It makes me much more, it gives me a much greater understanding about how the NFL was really reticent to blow up that week between the end of the playoffs and the Super Bowl, is what that does. When, sure. I, when I hear the level of plans for this Pro Bowl extravaganza, you understand why that was not the moving back the season and blowing out that week, why that was not an option. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in all that stuff. Okay. The, way you, uh, the way you phrased the question, the answer, the only answer, Sarah, is more likely to watch because you couldn't pay me to watch the Pro Bowl. It <laughs> was totally awful. fair. Is it going to be goofy? Yeah, sure. Do- dodgeball? Is yeah. dodgeball part of it? Yes. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Do you have a problem with that? You purveyor of Adam Sandler movies, you're not okay watching dodgeball? Adam Sandler had nothing to do with the dodgeball movie. <laughs> I'm not talking about the movie <laughs> yeah, dodgeball. I'm talking about, yes, you like I think this silly things. Fun. I hope they. I think it sounds I, super I'm willing fun. to check it out. I wanted them to do more, like how about a karaoke contest? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. How about an arm wrestling match? How about a sports trivia contest? Yes. Ooh, that would be kind of that's, fun. That's what I thought at the end there you were saying, but yeah. Okay, so Dan Bickley, you're very interested in that longest drive yeah, I am. golf contest. You think you would be best at that event? No, no, I no, it's it's no, no, I, no, <laughs> no, I don't. But I'd be very interested in that because, like we've talked about earlier, the golf swing is very intricate and it's not all about it's it's very little to do with brute strength actually. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, seeing golfers do that or seeing NFL players do that is interesting. I love those pulling a walk. I love yeah. all that stuff. I do. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in an Era where the superstars was a thing. Yeah, you got, the you Battle of the Network that. Stars. I love that stuff. When they brought back Battle of the Network Stars on ABC, I was excited, and then, man, did they botch it. Listen, I still contend for all the great stuff Wayne Gretzky did on skates. What he did in that Superstars competition, which was sent to us by a listener, oh, yeah. is one of the most mind-blowing things I've ever seen in my life. And what he did was, in a sprint with, what is it, Sugar Ray Leonard... Pele. Pele. Oh. And somebody else. Gretzky smoked them. Yeah. yeah. It was wow. like secretariat. Like a football player or something, I thought. Yeah. That's crazy. Have to look up the video again, yeah. but it was yeah. impressive. I, I never saw that. I was a, an American Gladiators kid yeah. growing I, up in the day. 90s. I did, yeah. I did enjoy fan. that, too. Big fan. Yeah. All right, let's quickly get to the Phoenix Suns. I think uh, after the Warriors, the win over the Warriors, I should say, we were cautiously optimistic about the Suns, managing to get past a pretty healthy Warriors team. And then last night, they... Uh, perhaps might have wiped some of that goodwill away. They lost to the Nuggets by 29 points. After the loss, Monty Williams said he is still confident in this team. Every time I put we put a game plan together, I feel like we can win the game because I, I've been in this league long enough. I know, and we saw it last night, we played against the championship squad and we beat them on their home floor. So that should tell you anything can happen. And so you know, I feel confident about this trip. I know we have guys out. Do we have to play at a high, high level and be really efficient? Absolutely. But we can, and that's what I believe we'll do. So in that win over the Warriors, Mikel Bridges went for 26 points. He led the team that night. And then last night, 
seven points on three of ten shooting. What was the bigger takeaway for you? That he was still capable of being that 26-point scorer or that he reverted yeah, to seven? I, I, um, I, I made it clear in my own head going into last night's game that I was going to take away almost nothing from last night's game. The altitude, the back-to-back, yeah. uh, the shorthanded nature of the team, the fact that they had uh, that they had just stunned the Warriors the night before. Really, I just I give him a mulligan for everything last night, to be honest with you. My biggest takeaway as it pertains to Mikel is if you add 26 and 7, those two game outputs, that's 33. Divide that by 2, that's 16 and a half. That's about what you're going to get over a two-game span from Mikel Bridges. Mm. Uh, but Bick's right. You can't take much away from that at all. It was it was just after the first quarter. Just It was one of those rare games, too, where the winning team won all four quarters. You don't see yeah. that very often. Um, yeah, just kind of flush yeah. it and, and concentrate on Minnesota. Because Bick and I were talking, if they can win in Minnesota on Friday, I don't think they're beating Memphis on, on Monday no, afternoon sure. before they come home. But if you can come from this trip 2-2 two and two, with this mash unit you're throwing out there, that would be a pretty big accomplishment. I agree with that. I, yeah. Yes, it, it, this game against the Timberwolves is is slightly important in the mm-hmm. great for a team hanging on yep. by its fingernails. This is pretty important. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, We're all Matt, rebooted. Uh, Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line right now at 620-620. I also want to remind you uh, that you uh, can get involved in Super Bowl All Access because the countdown to Super Bowl 57 has begun. Bud Light, FanDuel, and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th and you could score a a pair of tickets to the game. Plus, you'll win uh, tickets to the FanDuel party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl experience. So text SUPER to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, Hard Knocks is over. We'll recap uh, week nine and give our overall thoughts of what we learned about the Arizona Cardinals in this behind-the-scenes look next. Spickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I know this was not the season any of us were expecting. I wish we could have won today, especially for JJ. And I know there's some players that are thinking about retirement, but for the one who's announced it, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you as a Cardinal the last two seasons. And I think I speak on behalf of all of the organization and our fans. Thank you. You've brought so much to this organization. What you did in Houston for the Texans and in the Houston community and what you did in the Arizona community, I just want to say thank you. And thank you on behalf of the entire National Football League. Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals in last night's season finale. A very special season finale of Hard Knocks. Um, thanking J.J. Watt postgame yeah. after the uh, two-sack performance in San Francisco in his final NFL game. Mm. Um that was that was a cool moment. Uh, we we expected JJ Watt to be featured prominently in that episode. It, oh, was, it was it was very well done. In fact, um, the coolest moment for me as a viewer of Hard Knocks, probably for the last time, I'll say. Uh, but uh, the moment and the way the NFL Films cameras captured the moment where JJ Watt came off the field. From Vance Joseph on the sidelines saying, get J.J. out, he's had enough, he's had enough, mm-hmm. to the shot of 
the the graphic that the the 49ers put up on the board at Levi's Stadium yeah. to the applause to his reaction to his teammates slowly coming over and, and you know giving him giving him some love that was a chill moment that was the one mm-hmm. chill moment I, I think I saw uh, in the entire episode yeah. and, then, and then the post game stuff with with JJ bringing his young baby son out to the uh, out to the field and I love babies and that is one adorable baby <laughs> JJ Watt really again we've said this before but he he carried that that show and he carried this football team to the mm-hmm. finish line. I, I do agree with you. The, the the scene on the field in San Francisco or Santa Clara against the 49ers, it was interesting to me because I thought to myself, man, you know, I wonder if he envisioned the end being like it is because he, 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 he upheld his end of the bargain in Arizona and you could make an argument that the Cardinals failed him far more than he failed the Cardinals. And, and I think that he succeeded in creating the kind of retirement that befits a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he did so in the midst of this train wreck of a season, which is not easy to do. That's true. But he found a way to kind of create the right retirement send-off for himself. And the moment when he got up and and thanked his teammates after that video, the emotional Mm -hmm. video, and he said one thing in particular, and that was, I'm sure you guys have all been sick, and there was some, some expletives thrown in there. I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing about me over the last couple of weeks, and for that, I apologize. Yeah. It's a guy who's very, very self-aware. Well, it's it's also because he knows that everybody on that football team watches Hard Knocks. Why would you not? And when they they're watching, they it's, what's that? They all say oh, they yeah, don't. Right. <laughs> and you watch it, and it's 55% one guy. And so that I think that's what he's being aware of. But again, it, it's where that show would have been without him. I shudder to think what in the world they would have shown. Yeah, I mean, he was so prominently featured in the last few episodes, and rightly so. But the the, the complaint that we had is what we just went through. Regardless of what your connection to the Arizona Cardinals is, whether you're in the front office, the member of the coaching staff, a player, a fan, a media member covering this team, we just experienced one of the most dysfunctional, tumultuous seasons a football team has gone through, I'd say in the last quarter century. Mm -hmm. And if you had no knowledge of the daily workings of the Cardinals and didn't follow the headlines and were maybe looking at hard knocks as a way to catch up on things that had happened, you didn't get any of it. No. You would not look at that in a vacuum and say, wow, this is a very dysfunctional team. Even in last night's episode, going into the final game of the season, and, and I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm no. not one of those guys that's going to say, hey, don't be human. If, you're, if your job's not going well, it should affect all aspects of your life and wipe the smile off your face. I'm not saying that. But, yeah, that was featured prominently. You know, the passing around of the taxidermied badger. It was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But we got no glimpse into the dysfunction, even at the end of the episode, which we're going to get into a little bit later on. But it was, it was, a, it, was it was a, I think, I, yeah, with, with all you. due respect to all those involved, I think mm-hmm. it was a giant waste of nine weeks. I'm, well, yes, well said. And, and I'm glad you said it as hardly, harshly as you did, because my feeling when they were playing all that sappy, happy music and guys are hugging each other on the way out the door, I'm like, this is not a success story. I'm sorry. This is one of the worst football seasons I have ever experienced. 
And same with them and same with you and same with everybody in the Valley to kind of sugarcoat it the way they did was just, I, I, I mean, but I, this I, is the business we've chosen. Yeah. That's how it ended. I'm with like, you on that. It, it, was, it was just way, it was just way too obliging and way, it, the alternative reality. It was like that. What was that television show when everything was happy? Was that the Truman show mm-hmm. where everything was this, it just, you know, where they were throwing yeah. him without his, yeah. the his Truman knowledge. show yeah. or the Stepford right. wives. Right. It's it just, yeah. The the thing the the one thing I did like about the series probably the best part of it to me was seeing the player interactions even though it yeah. didn't show the dysfunction mm-hmm. I, I it was mostly involving JJ Watt sort of giving the business to various other younger teammates and I, I thought that was cool just to see the interactions between the players because that's stuff that we don't see the, the the forced narrative stuff that they had to do to create storylines and, mm-hmm. and with you know and the sit down interviews and stuff I. I didn't find that that compelling. No, and there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, the sit-down interview wasn't a huge part of it, but mm-hmm. I agree with you. They all seem kind of forced and, and unnatural. I guess I can agree with Jared on that. The, the on-the-field stuff, I mean, from the outside, if you've never, and I've never obviously stepped on, on onto an NFL football you field on, on game day, but to see, like, you always assume these guys all hate each other. Their competitors are trying to beat each other up. And there's very much a gentlemanly aspect to football that we saw come out a lot. I mean, in the in the course of the game, J.J. Watt and George Kittle having a conversation about George Kittle's 100 year old grandmother, yeah, was at and waving up yeah, there. Right. I mean that that that's the kind of kind of the cool stuff. But we're gonna and we've yeah. seen that before. If you watch Hard Knocks, you'll see it again. I just think it was a missed opportunity to to paint a picture. And we talked about you know what the Cardinals were going to get out of this because. You know, it, it it is a reminder. This is this is a propaganda piece it is. for the NFL. It it, is. It's a it's a nine week commercial for the NFL and its players and a team. But what I, it could I, can't, have been. I, I can't be. I, I I can't assume that the Cardinals are very happy with what they got out of it either. Well, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been worse. Yeah. yeah. See, I, it's it's a documentary with a narrative. It's not like just watching hidden cameras. What would be interesting, I think, for all of us is we were hoping it would just be like they placed the cameras and we could see what's really going on behind the scenes oh. that's causing the dysfunction, you know, how, how everybody's dealing with it all. The stuff okay. on the cutting room floor again. is probably great. Uh, <laughs> again, listen, so we, let, let's get by let's get by the Sean Coogler story, which is one of the greatest unsolved mysteries out there, and, right? I mean, okay. come on now. Let's, let's, let's not act like that didn't happen. And Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin, let's not act like that didn't happen. When you get by all of that. Just look at Adam Silver's report this morning. Mike Silver. Adam Silver. You ever see that Adam Silver guy, Jared? I don't even think Mike Silver's report about Kyler Murray taking the money and reverting and being even less accountable as a teammate. Why why can't we see that? That was a thing. Why couldn't you take this show and say, this is your worst nightmare, NFL football cities. This could happen to you. This is the worst of the worst. I Listen, hey, that's and Kyler I the Murray Cardinals was don't want any part of that. But Kyler Murray was almost not even on the show I because know, of injury, I obviously. Shocked, I was but actually shocked to see him in the quarterback room in last night's episode. That was an old, just his head. Yeah, it was. Yeah, right. Uh, so I, again, it, it's it, to me. There's just there is just there's so much they glossed over, and I get you have to gloss over stuff. But the idea of let's wrap this up like oh, the brotherhood of the moment trumps all. One right. single tear yeah. trickling One down my face. Single tear. When I finished watching it, 
the only thought I had was that's nine hours of my life. I will never get Not back. nine full hours. They were all about 40 minute episodes. <laughs> about eight hours and 15 minutes. Well, Join Burns and Gambo today from 2 to 6.30 at Sanderson Ford as they cap off the Big Red Rig giveaway. They'll be giving away concert tickets and movie passes and special guest Arizona Cardinals offensive lineman Will Hernandez will be there signing autographs from 4.30 to 5.30. Coming up next, 8 o'clock, you know what that means. You're going to get blasted by the man, Dan Bickley. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.